Welcome to the weekly message from Rhema Family Church. We pray that this message establishes you in the Word and helps train you to live the victorious life that God has called you to live. If you'd like to follow the sermon notes, you can find them on rhema.org.au forward slash media. We're going to start a new series today and we're calling it um, Five Relational Building Blocks. And this week I'm ministering, next week Patsy will minister. And if you notice here, um, it's uh, across the bottom there, it says attraction, pursuit, love, and I, you know, like true love, conflict, and finance. So those are going to be five weeks in a row. This week we're going to talk about attraction, next week pursuit, and so on. So, the, so we're going to do that. Um, and as we go through this, we want to just make a big thing out of the, these five relational building blocks that we're calling these. Um, they'll be able to help relationships on every level. So we want you to know, you maybe you say, well, I'm not married, so maybe I'll just skip out. No, we're actually making this so it speaks to both married and, and singles, okay? So it'll be good for everyone to come, and we just trust it'll be a help to everybody. So today what we're going to talk about, the first one, we're going to talk about attraction, okay? So, so what we want to do today is talk about what qualities should be attractive. What qualities should be attractive? And here's the thing, if you're already married, you can still improve these qualities. And, and by improving these qualities, it improves your relationship in marriage. If you're not married, these are some of the things that you can do to prepare for marriage. So that's what we want to get into today, all right? Before we do, I, I found something funny from another minister. And dating sites, actually there's been some good, really good results from those online dating sites, you know, where people find each other and there's been marriages that have happened and they've really lasted. So uh, I'm, not gonna, I'm not blasting it, but this, I found this uh, one minister has some funny things about some of the advertisements on those online sites and how people advertise themselves. In other words, it's what they think is attractive, okay? So here's some of the things. If she says that she's 40-ish, she means she's 49 and a half. If he says he is 40-ish, he's 52 and seeking a 25-year-old run, ladies run. She says she's huggable, and what she's saying is she's carrying a few extra pounds. Oh, I'm sorry, he. He says, thank you, he's huggable. What he's saying is he's carrying a few extra pounds and has more body hair than Bigfoot. <laughs> she says she's romantic, which she means that she looks better by candlelight. <laughs> he says that I'm laid back and very close to my family, He's really saying that he lives at home, he's unemployed, and hopes you have a good job. <laughs> she says she's bubbly and fun, and she's really saying that she never is quiet or shuts up. She says she's an independent woman, and what she's saying is she, she has controls issues and will dominate you. He says he's average-looking, and he's really saying that he fell from the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down. So it's kind of funny how people advertise or what they think is attractive, okay, uh, when they do these things. And, and by the way, I got these from another minister, so if anything was offensive, talk to him about it, okay? 
But today, we, you know, what we're talking about today is attraction, so we're going to look at four qualities that we can work on, whether we're married or whether we're single. So here's the first one, and the first one I'm calling it new creation behavior, where I could have called it godly character, but instead I thought, I like new creation behavior because once we get saved, God himself, by his spirit, comes on the inside of us, and we're changed. We become new creatures in Christ. Uh, and so, like the world, when they talk about character, it's really, they try to produce godly character in their own strength, and uh, it's a really difficult thing to do. They tried to do that in the Old Testament, and they just had a hard time, you know, doing it a lot of times in the Old Testament, but thank God, if we're Christians, we become new creatures in Christ, and then for us, it's more about yielding to who we are, okay, and it's not our strength, and it's not what we can do but it's Christ in us and us uh, learning how to yield to him, okay? So we're going to start off in uh, Song of Solomon 1 and verse 2, okay? So here's what she says. She says, kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. Now, why did this lady, you know, want to kiss this man? And why is she saying your love is sweeter than wine? The next verse will answer the question. So verse 3, it says, how fragrant your cologne is. Your name is like it's spreading fragrance. No wonder all the young women love you. So what I want you to notice is she's making a big deal out of his name. So what she didn't do is she didn't make a big deal out of his six-pack <laughs> or his money or his car or even his popularity. But she's saying your name. So what she's really saying is, and, and this is, by the way, it's, it's a cologne that's expensive and rare. So when she's talking about this cologne, she's talking about an expensive and rare cologne, and she's saying, your name is like spreading that fragrance. She's saying that basically is you have godly character. That's basically what she's saying about this man, your character. I like the way you behave. I like the way you conduct yourself. Uh, and because of the, your behavior and the way that you conduct yourself, all the young women love you. So notice there that uh, above a six-pack, you know, and I had to watch that, you know, with Patsy. No, I'm just, that's a joke. She was after my six-pack, my money, my car, and my popularity. Not so. But, uh, you know, but what, what he's saying is, that it's it's about it's about godly characters what he's saying so this came into my heart it's a really simple statement but uh, acting like a new creature in Christ is the most attractive trait at least it should be in the Christian circles acting like a new creature in Christ that should be the most attractive thing about us so thank God for you know you know it's good to exercise guys you know if you want to have a six-pack you know go for it uh, money is God wants to bless us and uh and he wants to prosper us. But character is more important than all those things in a relationship, okay? Now, I got saved, and I had, I had a best friend before I got saved. His name was Bill. And we started off in grade one. We went through, you know, we, we did Catholic school all the way to grade 12. And then we start doing the discotheques together right before I got saved. So we were together for a long time. And the whole time that I knew him, he never told me that he had his first cousin. He had a first cousin that was my age, and she was like, he, like, 
good-looking and half Italian and all that, and he said, hey, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to fix you up with my first cousin. And I thought, man, you never told me you even had a first cousin. Now I'm, I'm thinking this. I get saved, and now you're letting me know. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll meet her. And so I, I went out with, the, with his cousin, and she was good-looking, you know, typical Italian, dark hair, dark skin, dark eyes, you know, and good-looking girl. And we started to go out, you know. And what I began to realize is that you can be so good-looking and beautiful on the outside but not be so great on the inside. And it was kind of like I thought, well, you know, it's interesting that he fixed me up with his first cousin right after I got saved, and this is like becoming a distraction to me. And I didn't know really what to do about it, but she started to cuss, and she started to even cuss about Jesus because she didn't like me because I was a born-again Christian, and she wasn't, and she didn't like me because I loved Jesus and I loved the things of God. And so she actually started cussing and using the name of God in vain and Jesus and all this kind of stuff. So what happened is I went to a meeting, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit at this meeting, and, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And it really basically, in my view, in my looking back, it took me to another level. So I went home from that meeting, and I called her on the phone, and I said, listen, you know, I'm going to go all the way with God. I'm going all the way. I'm serving God. I'm serving Jesus. So you have an opportunity. You can go with me. It's your choice or not. She goes, I want nothing to do with you, Jesus, or not me, but Jesus or God. None of that. And I said, okay, that's all I need to know. And I, I, I'll see you. It's over. And I hung the phone up and it was done. And, uh, and really what you really see is that like you want to work on yourself and really make sure you're right before you go start pursuing somebody else. Okay, and we're going to get into that a little bit more. But here's, here's a thought. If you want a godly marriage for the future, it's important that you start living godly now. Okay? And so really compromising before marriage is really going to mean compromise once you get into marriage. All right? And so it's just better to get it right now. So somebody says, well, I... I want a Christian boy or girlfriend, but I always seem to attract the wrong kind. And the kind that I attract, it's they're guys and they only have one thing on their mind and it's the wrong thing. And so what you have to ask yourself then, if you're catching the wrong fish, it could be that you're using the wrong bait. Okay? So really the key to that, make sure you catch the right fish is put Jesus first in everything so you'll think different, you'll act different, you're, you're going to carry yourself differently, uh, you're going to act godly. And here's the thing, ungodly people, they're really not attracted to godly people. Really, what a lot of times ungodly people, they like to, per I've been persecuted by ungodly people. Once they know you're godly and they see righteousness in you and that, they actually start sometimes persecuting you. So we could say that like attracts like when it comes to relationships all right so here's a question is marriage then about finding the right person or is it more about becoming the right person and i think you guys know the answer to that it's it's really about becoming the right person it's just better to first become the right person so look at first peter chapter three and look at verse three it says, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. 
In other words, don't be concerned about that. Now, you know, we do live in a generation where everything is so outward, you know, and, and it's just, they, everything is made such a big deal, and, and I guess, you know, there's some of the movie stars, they spend thousands of, thousands of dollars to do all this stuff that's, you know, to fix themselves up, and it's almost, in a sense, not even reality, because they do all this modification on themselves, okay? It's outward modification, but look at verse 4, it says, you should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. So we all have to ask ourselves, you know, does the Bible get outdated? Is there a generation that the Bible becomes old-fashioned? You know, and I don't think the Bible gets outdated, and I don't think there's ever going to be a generation that the Bible is old-fashioned. All right, so what it's telling us, it's, it's like saying, like, you know, it's not about uh, what we think it's about, and that's like keeping up with what they're doing in the world, but it's actually talking about uh, the inside and being modest, okay? So here's a, here's a choice that everyone has to make. If you're not married, you can work on yourself or you could pursue a spouse. Work on self or pursue a spouse. That's the question that we can ask if we're single. And, uh, and I think it's always better to work on self first. Now I'm going to tell you a story about these two guys when I was in Bible school, I went to Bible school, and the Bible school that I went to, they, it was peaking out uh, back in, 19, in, in, the year, in 1981 with 2,000 students. And so, of course, and me, most of them are young, so you got 2,000 young students, and, you know, they're all there, and it's like they even made a joke about it. It's, instead of a Bible training, they call it a bridal training center, like training from, you know, making jokes about it. But so many of the young ones, they're looking to see if they can find a husband or wife there. So these two guys that I know, one of them was from my hometown, and the other one I became friends with, he was from Canada. And uh, so they, I became friends with these two guys, and they didn't meet their wives at Bible school, and they finished, and it was time to go. And they both ended up in my hometown, and they ended up at my brother Joe planted a brand new church. It was a baby church. And they end up in his church, and they got involved in his church. In my little town of 50,000 people where I'm from, in a brand-new baby church, that's where they met their, their wives. Now, who would have thought that? You know, you're like, you're in uh, where Tulsa, Oklahoma was considered at that time like the hub of so many things, and that's where like all the Christians were hanging out, just and they didn't meet a husband or wife there, and they followed God, and they obeyed God, and they went a thousand miles away to my little hometown, but they were pursuing God. My point is they were pursuing God, and they got planted somewhere, and by getting planted somewhere and pursuing God, God brought them, their wives, there. So, and I did that. You know, when I first got saved, I understand doing that, but I only did it twice. I was in a, in a, in a small Pentecostal church when I first got saved, had about 150 people there, and I'd already, you know, I came out of the discotheque, you understand, so I, I thought a certain way. So I already kind of glanced, I, I, I covered the 150 in the church, and I thought, well, there's no girls there for me, so I went to a big event on Friday. I found an evangelical church. I didn't leave the church, but I found an evangelical church for Friday night with 2,000, uh, like in the range of 2,000 people, and I went there on their, to their singles meeting on Friday night, 
you know, thinking, okay, I'm going to see who's here. Well, I did it for two Friday nights, and then you know what happened to me? I thought, I feel like I'm back in the world again. This is like, it's not going to the discotheque, but it's like, I'm just coming over to this meeting to, to see, you know, if I can find a girl and, you know, maybe find a wife. So I stopped doing it after two weeks because I thought, you know, I just want to be planted and I'll let God. And then God eventually spoke to me. I stayed planted where it was, and he said, go to Tulsa, and that's where I met my wife, but I just followed, you know, and then God took care of it, okay? So I believe that God can do that with everyone, but the cool thing is you take care of yourself, you work on yourself, and you stay planted, and you'll be surprised what God can do and bring somebody in. Okay, so here's the next quality we want to talk about today. Uh, That first one uh, is important, probably maybe the most important one, but this next one is important too as you get into a relationship, and that's the ability to confide in one another. The ability to confide in one another. So being able to confide in one another, that of course, it requires trust. And singles, as well as married people, can work on this. So even in a marriage, we've been married for, uh, you know, like since 1989 now, and, uh, and even after all this time, we can still get better. Everything I'm teaching, we can get better at it. Uh, we can improve. So being able to confide, uh, look at S- Song of Solomon, verse 1 and uh, chapter 1 and verse 5. It says, I am dark but beautiful, O women of Jerusalem, dark as the tents of Kedar, dark as the curtains of Solomon's tents. Don't stare at me because I am dark. The sun has darkened my skin. My brothers were angry with me. They forced me to care for their vineyards so I couldn't care for myself, my own vineyard. And that last statement there when she says, I couldn't care for myself, my own vineyard, she's talking about her body. She's talking about her skin. So just a little background information on that. In today's culture, of course, getting a suntan is a cool thing to do. And, you know, and when I was young and single, I mean, we pumped and lifted weights all week and made sure we got sun all week, and then we put these tight shirts on to show as much as we could, and we went out to the discotheques. You know, you wanted to get your veins even. I would just, I would get all the stuff on, and then I would do about 20 reps to get the veins popping out, and then I'd go to the discotheque, and now she even tried to make sure some veins were popping out there, you know. And you walk into the discotheque, and it's all about that, man. You're walking in strutting like that, and you got your suntan, and that was cool. Um, at least we thought it was. Probably wasn't that cool. There may have been a lot of people going, please. Um, but that was, that's, today they do that. But in this culture, the Song of Solomon, back in those times, being tan meant that you did physical labor so this lady wasn't really happy she goes my brothers were angry with me they forced me to care for their vineyards she wasn't happy that she had to go do hard labor and really surprisingly we lived in singapore for four years and i kept seeing especially the chinese ladies in singapore they would walk with umbrellas and they would have these gloves on so even when they were walking there was they couldn't get hit by any sun so I went up to a Chinese lady once and I said, why don't you enjoy the sun? Why aren't you getting any sun? She goes, oh, I don't want to get dark because if I get dark, they'll think that I do physical labor. Because in Singapore, you know, people work out in the sun all day and they, by working out in the sun, and they don't want to be known as doing physical labor, that means that you don't have a really high-paying job. 
That means that you're doing like what they would think is slave labor. So that's the same way it was back in the day of Song of Solomon, where they, they thought, hey, you know, if, if this happens to me, so what, what are we talking about here? She's sharing an insecurity. We're talking about confiding in one another. She opens up and she puts her walls down and she shares an insecurity with this guy. And that's what we're seeing here. Okay, so she reveals that to him. And, uh, and what we're going to see as we get a little bit later on, he's going to love this insecurity away. All right, so we're talking about five building blocks that can help a relationship. And so confiding in one another and then how, how the response is back and forth in that confiding and putting the wall down, it makes a big difference, all right? So here's just some, even some examples of insecurities that people say, well, I wish I wasn't so heavy. I wish I didn't have bird legs. I wish my ears weren't so big, you know? And, and I, you know, when I was in school, my face was smaller, and I have pretty big ears and the nose and my lips. So I got picked on in school, and it, was, it became an insecurity for me because they called me Dumbo the Elephant, you know? because my ears were like really sticking out like that and I had a small face. My ears were this big way back when I was in young. They stayed the same the whole... So that's pretty big ears for a small face and they stuck out like that. So they said Dumbo the elephant. Then they made fun of my nose because it was pretty big on a small face and then they called me names because of my big lips. You know, and everyone said, oh, okay. But it was actually an insecurity you know, and I, I remember one time I asked my parents, I said, do you think I'm good looking? And they just looked at me like, why are you asking that question? And I said, somebody, please, somebody say something nice about me. And honestly, you know, sometimes, and so that's like an insecurity. And a lot of times, a lot of people have insecurities with their looks. This lady had an insecurity about the fact that she, you know, about her uh, suntan, okay? So strong relationships you know, they include, they have to include us that we open up and we share insecurities, okay? But the response to the insecurity, they can either erode the relationship and make it worse, or it can actually build trust. And the more that there's trust, the more that people feel secured and loved in a relationship. So we're going to get back to that a little bit later as we wrap this up. But let's look at another quality. The next one is yielding uh, yield, yield to God, godly standard or yielding to godly standards, okay? So we're going to look at this verse here and we want to see what this lady says in verse 7. She says, tell me, my love, where are you leading your flock today? Where will you rest your sheep at noon? For why should I wander like a prostitute among your friends and their flocks? So what this lady's saying is she's declaring that I don't want to be like the others, Okay. She's saying that the things that other people do to get attention, I'm not going to do the same things that other people do to get attention, all right, or to even be loved. So what she's saying is, I'm choosing to yield to godly standards. They, others might do this, but I'm not going to do this. She's making a choice, okay? So again, if the Bible's true to every generation, look at this scripture, 1 Timothy 2 and verse 9, and look what it says. It says, I want women to be modest in their appearance. Okay, they should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes, all right? So this actually, you know, it's, 
you know, preaching on this in today's world, I, I could feel like, you know, there could be somebody, you think, man, you're like old-fashioned, you're, you're out of date, you're like so, you know, square. I don't even know if they say that anymore. <laughs> like back in my day, if you were like not cool, you were square, all right? So, but here's the thing is, the Bible is either, you know, it's, it's a book for every generation or it gets outdated. I believe it's a book for every generation. So it's talking about being modest in appearance, all right? So I was talking to a young lady uh, last summer, you know, because uh, last summer it was already in style, but, uh, you know, a couple years ago, they, I don't know when they did, but they came out with these shorts, like jean shorts, and they, like, really were high, you know, and they kind of showed really a lot. So I'm telling this young lady... I'm telling this young lady, why do you want to wear those jeans? And the young lady says, because they're in style. And I said, so because they're in style, you have to wear them? And I, and I made the point, I said, you know, when you walk around wherever you're going to be, at the shopping center, you know, at Westfield, wherever you're going to go shop, when you walk around like that, you're going to draw attention, and there's going to be a certain kind of guy that start, wants to come after you. And you don't know guys. I do. I w I'm one, and I was one, and I was young. I said, so is that really what you want to do? It's just to be in style. And who said that Prada, you know, and the devil wears Prada anyway. Uh, who, <laughs> who says that Prada is the one that sets the styles? Who says that they're the ones? So why do you have to go with what they do? Why do you have to, you know, do that? So that, the point is, you know, like, um, if you don't like what you're catching, you know, like the fish you're catching, check the bait, okay? So here's summarizing this up really quickly is this. If the Bible says, like, it's an example, you're in, in, we're, talking about, uh, we're talking about yielding to godly standards here. So if you're in a relationship and you're still not married and somebody's stealing, you're like one of, the, one of the ones, and you see the person you're in a, and they're stealing, they're not yielding to godly standards. The Bible says don't steal. If they're being immodest, they're not really yielding to, uh, to godly standards because the Bible says to be modest, okay? If they're lying, uh, they're not yielding to what the Bible says. So here's the thing. If you're in a relationship like that and the person is like that now, normally especially for guys a lot of times unless god intervenes they don't get better after marriage you need godly intervention uh and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later okay so what we want to say here before we go on is we can choose not to be like the world okay and we can honor god in our relationships we either honor god or we choose to be like the world okay the next uh, building block that we want to see uh, today is, uh, and not today, this is like, um, those are the building, anyway, let's talk about this, edifying words, okay, let's talk about this quality, that's what it is, edifying words, so look at verse number nine, it says, to me, my darling, you are like my mare among the chariots of Pharaoh, so he's calling her an adult female horse, okay, <laughs> But here's the thing about this adult female horse. The meaning of it, it was, one of the, it was one of the white horses that pulled Pharaoh's chariot. So this animal back in that day, it was one of the most esteemed animals in the kingdom. And some believed it was godlike. 
that's the thing about this animal. So remember this now. We, I said we get back to this. Remember how she was concerned about her sunburned skin. So he's saying to her, you're the most prized and cherished white horse. And she has this insecurity. And what you see here, he's starting to love the insecurity away. Okay? When he says that to her, it's, it's like saying this, I love you exactly the way you are. I love everything about you. Now here's, the thing is, God loves us exactly the way we are, but once we enter into a relationship, and especially once we decide we're going to get married, we continue to love the person we love the way they are, just as they are. Now, the cool thing about loving somebody the way they are, and because God loves all of us, when we were sinners, God loved us the way we are, and his love actually changed us. And his love continues. Love is the only thing that can continue to change us. So even in a relationship, the relationship gets stronger and stronger when there's that kind of godly love in the relationship because it continues to change. So then look at verse number 15. It says, uh, he, young man, this is the guy uh, talking. He says, how beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful your eyes are like doves. Then verse 16, you are so handsome, my love, pleasing beyond words. The soft grass is our bed. So you see how these words are so edifying. And what you see there is they're loving their insecurities away. So look at now, we're going to look at the results. These are the results that these qualities that we're talking about will produce. Here's the first thing that ladies will feel special all right ladies will feel special so we see this in solomon uh song of solomon 2 1 look at now she was talking about don't put it up there quite yet take that back because i want to remind everybody she was talking about her insecurities and she had a problem with the fact that she uh, was real suntanned and then now look at this she says i am a rose of sharon a lily of the valleys I love that the fact that he accepted and loved her the way that she was and then she says I am a rose she's a lily among the thorns is my darling among maidens what she's saying is she says I feel you and it's him he's making her feel like the most special lady on earth and you know guys we can do that with our wives and then uh, he says, you're right about that. When he says, a like a lily among thorns, he says, you are right because you are the special one. That's basically what he's saying. So in chapter one, she feels insecure. In chapter two, she feels secure. And the reason is he loved her through her insecurities. All right? So what we can see is that if he can do it, we can do it. So the first thing is, the quality that that produces is ladies will feel special. The second thing is ladies will feel secure. And you see in verse number three, special and secure. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade and his fruit is sweet to my taste. So she was previously concerned about her skin and now and the sun, and now she's saying, I delight to sit in your shade. What is she saying? Well, the thing that I was so concerned about 
I'm not concerned about it any longer. She feels safe. She feels secure. She feels protective. In other words, I feel, look, I, I delight to sit in your shade. A shade protects. She says, I'm protected from what once harmed me. And it was the love of that man that made her feel protected from what once harmed her. He loved her through her insecurities and she felt special and she felt secure. God is good. And this is uh, wonderful. So here's, here's some things that men can do. Talking to the men now. The first thing that we can do is we can lead men. So as men, you know, we set the spiritual tone in our homes. And by doing, setting the spiritual tone, that means we can pray and seek God. We can say we're going to church. We can say we're being a tither. We can say all the things, but we set that tone. I remember when we were living in Sicily, and I was preparing a brand new class, uh, to teach like 15 classes to teach in the Bible school. And I'd get up after sitting and studying, and then I'd get up and I'd pray, and I'd walk around when I was praying like this for some reason, and I'd walk like, walk like that. And Liliana just learned how to walk, you know? And then, uh, and I was praying in tongues, and she wasn't really, she wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit yet, but it was the cutest thing, because we looked up, and Lily's going like this, and she's going, and she's just mumbling. She's trying to do tongues, she's going, blah, 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 and she's walking like that. But it was the cutest thing, but you know what was really obvious? That she saw what I was doing. I was said, without realizing it, I was praying and seeking God, and she saw it, and she wanted to imitate it. And here's the thing, men, like we can set that tone in our house, and when we pray and seek God, it's an inspiration, and our children want to pray and seek God. And when we say, hey, we're going to go to church, and we say, this is what, we're the spiritual heads of the home, we're going to go to church, we're going to be a tither. Look at, look at the next one. The other thing that we can do as men is we can protect, okay? And by, by protecting, you know, we protect our wives, of course, but I put their hearts because if we have children, we can be our wives and our children's protectors. And then also by doing that, they, our wife and our children, they're going to feel safe and secure. So just a few cl- uh, closing thoughts. What we talked about today, these are five qualities that are, are very attractive in the, in the Christian uh, world. New creation behavior, ability to confide in one another, yielding to godly standards and edifying words so just finishing thoughts here give place to these four qualities in yourself and look for these four qualities for your future partner so the first thing if you're single is you want to give place to these qualities first of all yourself and these are the qualities that you want to look for in a future partner okay and then how you know putting jesus first that's the best thing to do putting jesus first in everything it impacts the places you go the way you dress and who you hang out with so you're going to do a lot better fishing if you put jesus first in your life all right and then uh this thought too uh i've heard an old wise minister say this and he said it quite often he said guys marry ladies thinking they'll never lose their schoolgirl figures and ladies marry men thinking they will be able to change them and normally they're both wrong okay and so like for uh, my my father always told me this he said you know you, when, once you get married you get married okay and and uh and so even if your wife changes you continue to love her my father always told me that and so uh, he just put that in me and my father wasn't even a born-again christian at the time uh and so we just have to understand that you know through some various 
reasons sometimes, even medical reasons, ladies might not stay the same after you're married, but men, we continue to love uh, like we did when we first got married. And then ladies, now, they think that they can change men, but the truth of the matter is most ladies can't ever change a man, but thank God God can change men. And so for all of us guys, you know, I know that uh, Patsy's prayed for me before and asked the Lord to help me and change me, and, uh, and, and he's helped me. But one time she was praying, and the Lord told her, shocked her, and said, well, yeah, you need to change this. And so the cool thing about if we pray for one another, uh, even God might show us, while we're praying for the other, God might show us some things that we need to change. And that, that's happened with her. Okay, then here's another f- closing thought. Marriage isn't so much about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. Okay? And remember that, that like tends to attract like. And then yielding to godly standards before marriage is building the right foundation for marriage. So if you're not married, the best thing you can do is yield to the godly standards now and keep those standards. And if you keep, your, if you keep those godly standards and yield to who you are in Christ and act like you are in Christ, God will bring somebody to you. Uh, so here's the last thing we want to say. So what, what if you made some mistakes? What if you're married and you haven't done well up until this point? Or what if you made mistakes And here's the last scripture we want to share because the good news is this. Great is his faithfulness and his mercies begin afresh each morning. So no matter where you are and no matter what you think, if you've made mistakes and maybe you haven't done so well up until this time, he's merciful, his mercies are new every morning and and starting right now, even though you made mistakes, God, God is not going to beat you up for your past mistakes because he cleanses and he forgives so he's not out to beat any of us up he wants to help us and he wants to help us have godly wonderful relationships father i thank you for everyone that's here today lord and and i pray father god that the things that we shared uh, when families are strong churches are strong when families are strong nations are strong when relationships are strong churches are strong and so are nations father so i thank you father god that you take this and and this series that we're going to be on and that father we would have strong healthy relationships at rhema family church father thank you for that thanks for listening if you'd like any more information or resources on this or other topics or if you'd like to sow financially into this ministry so we can share these great messages each week, then please visit rhema.org.au.